let's go to our scriptures. Somebody tell me where we're going without me telling you. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. We're keeping up with the, is this your first time hearing this? We're, the Lord told us a while back to keep it simple. Preach simply the gospel. He came, he died, he hung on a cross for the remission of our sins. He paid for our sins. He was buried. And then he rose again. It's called the resurrection. And that's what we believe in. If he wasn't resurrected, we won't be resurrected. Amen? Amen. It didn't stop with the cross. That's where you ever notice we got before Christ and after Christ. I know Domini. Everything is measured by the cross, whether people realize it or not. Measured by the cross. So, this was Paul speaking. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen? That's where everything starts, right there. Jesus Christ. That's why you're here today, is because you realize that that's, mostly import- that's the most important thing. Everything else hinges on that, on, on the sacrifice of the cross. Okay, and Paul said, after all the discussion's over with, this is what we all need to know. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now go back to John. I want to read a little bit more today. I want to start with John 3.1, if we could. Nicodemus is a man that makes three appearances in Scripture. He was a Pharisee. He was a learned man. But he watched the crowds respond to the word of the Lord, and he had to search it out. The Spirit of God caused him to search out what Jesus was saying. And I want to start reading. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night. Say, by night. I'm going to tie this together here about by night and the importance of it and how this operates in our life. This is his first appearance in the Scripture He said, he came to Jesus by night and he said, Rabbi, Master, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, there's many faiths today that say Jesus was this, Jesus was that. But he was more than this and that. He's God. He's the Savior. He was sent from the Father. He's the one we believe in. And it says that we believe that. There's a lot of people in the world that believe that he's a teacher but they don't believe that he's God. And the importance uh, is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity shows up, and we're going to be in heaven with, with the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, okay? This is the way it works. And he said, I know that you're a teacher, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now, we know that God was with him, but we also need to know that he is God also. And Jesus said unto him, Very rarely I say unto you, except a man be born again, 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, born again has become a real um, used and misused scripture. But it speaks of an eternal birth instead of a physical birth. We're all born physically, but not all of us are born eternally. We're going to live forever. Our soul is going to live forever. But where is it going to live, okay? Here's the important thing. He said, except a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Now, if you're in here this morning and you don't understand worship or you don't understand repeating lyrics over and over and over and over and over, well, that's part of the kingdom of God. Praise is part of the kingdom of God and adoration is. And we believe that he died for our sins. And because we believe that, we are born again of the Spirit, a second birth. But people that don't receive the Lord as their Savior, they don't understand that. And so the kingdom, we pray, will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So praise is going on in heaven, right? Come on now, don't lose me today. I don't want to lose you. Praise is what's going on in heaven right now. And so when we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I believe that by the Spirit of God, once we're born again, we recognize the presence of God as it was so thick in here this morning. It's a peace that passes all understanding. That's what the Scripture says. It's a peace. And he said, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. And part of the problem is humanism wants joy connected with humanistic things. They want to be God. But they're not God. And when we understand that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, then we understand that the kingdom of God is available to us, not in its fullness. We experience glimpses of it. But what goes on in heaven, He wants to go on in the earth. He wants us to pray for one another. Amen. He wants us to keep His commandments. They're all for our benefit. The commandments never were given by God to stymie man's growth. They were put in place and not abolish. Jesus said, I didn't come to cancel them out. I came to fulfill them. In him, it's the fulfillment of all the, the commandments. Because we live by grace now, not the law. But the law is there to protect us. Imagine if there was no speed limits anywhere. And some of you crazy people coming to church. Some of you teenagers getting in a car. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine if everybody got in their car and said, I'm going to drive as fast or as slow or this or that as I want to. So you got Eric coming down the road at 150 miles an hour. And Zach driving his big truck, his semi, and parking wherever he wants and stopping in the middle. See the chaos If you don't at least try to obey the law and fulfill the law, there's a penalty for that. And so the law is, we don't live under the law anymore, but we realize the importance of the law because Jesus through Scripture teaches us, and Paul said too, to obey the laws and the people that are in authority over you. So laws serve a purpose. i got to get going. So we want to see the kingdom of God, right? we got this... Uh, April 16th and 17th, we're going to host uh, Activation Cincinnati. And we got people coming in, and it's going to be a big deal. No bigger than our church services, but it's a big deal. It's different people, and we want to support it and get behind it.
I believe that you can't get enough of God. And we want to see that. This activate is people that want to see the kingdom of God brought. And so if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and those kind of things, that's the will of God, the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, I got to go. And he said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. People see us worshiping and they think, well, what is all this stuff? Why do they got to do that? Well, because we sense the presence of God. And we want his kingdom to be brought here. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, we look at born again from our side of history But this was completely new to the law and to the Pharisees and the Sadducees being born again. And Jesus tries to explain it in verse 5. And he said, Very verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Which tells me that there must be a second birth, an eternal, a spiritual birth that takes place that transcends just the physical Everybody understand what I'm saying? That's what Jesus said, okay? And he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. How many of you remember being dragged to church sometime and not feeling the spirit or not understanding what people were doing? Is there anybody out there like that? It was like all shrouded in mystery. Oh, I wish grandma wouldn't make me go to church. And by this is so boring. And I'd rather be playing soccer. And I'd rather be doing this and doing that. See, we didn't understand the spiritual aspect of honoring God. If he's God, he needs to be honored, right? Uh, for some reason today, I was, uh, when Elijah was on Mount Carmel and had the uh, contest with the uh, prophets, the false prophets, one of the greatest lines in the Bible is, see, man's got to worship something. Whether you say it or not, man, you're worshiping something. Yes, you are. That's what it comes down to. So if you're going to worship something, you need to worship the one true God, and you need to be born again of the Spirit, because that makes you have an understanding of the things of God. But there was a contest on Mount Carmel, and it said all the prophets of Baal, all these guys, see, they were worshiping something. They were worshiping Baal. There's a whole bunch of gods involved in Baal. The Hindus have like a million different gods. Good Lord, you can start praying right now until the day you die and never be able to pray to all of them. There's a whole bunch of them. Imagine if you had to go through a litany of a hundred of a million gods to appease. You can't make them all happy, can you? But when there's one true God and our prayers focus through him and answered through him. And so it says that the prophets of Baal were jumping up and down. I'm paraphrasing now. They're jumping up and down and making a big racket. That was their form of worship because they wanted the, the fire to come from wherever their God sent it from and to consume the sacrifice that was on the altar. And Elijah said to him, paraphrase again, I don't know where your God is. Maybe he's on vacation or something. <laughs> That's a great line. I know I'm, I'm doing it in today's speak. But he said, perhaps he's gone away somewhere. Perhaps uh, you can just see the irony of that. And then Elijah says, well, fill the pots, fill the 
channels around the altar, make everything just double, triple, quadruple wet, and I'm going to demonstrate the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. And he prayed, and God sent that fire, and guess what happened? It consumed the sacrifice, it consumed the altar, it consumed the channels where all the water was. So when God speaks, he shows his power. Amen? And so the prophets, the false prophets, were born of the flesh, but they were worshiping the wrong God. So they didn't get no answers. And I'm going to tell you, before I came to the Lord, life was a big, 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 big mystery. And all the things that pile up in your own lives, coming from broken homes and things like that, that just puts a real burden on you. And you don't understand those kind of things. But then you come in contact with Christ. And His will is to be your Father. If you were fatherless, he said he's, he's the God. He's a father to the orphans. He's a father to those that didn't sense a, a father in the home. He takes care of his children. Amen? Amen? He's the father you never had. He becomes all those things. But you don't understand that until you're born of the Spirit. And in verse 7, he says, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants, where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it comes from and whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Amen? I don't understand everything that goes on, but no more than I can understand the wind. But I do know that it's important to flow in the Spirit. Because in our minds, we want to flow in the flesh. We want to humanistic teaching. I won't go into that again. And verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? Which might be a question that many of you have on your heart today. How can all this be? How does God do these things? I don't understand it. Well, there was another time in scripture when a young lady was visited and prompted by the spirit of God. It's in Luke chapter 1. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Mary and said, there's going to be, you're going to become pregnant by the Holy Ghost and you're going to bring forth. Imagine being hit with that. And just as Nicodemus said, how can these things be? You know what she said to the angel of God? Well, how can this be? And it just shows us the magnificence and the sovereignty of God because there's things that you'll never understand. But there's, listen, Born of a virgin. Why did it have to happen that way? Because by the Spirit of God, Isaiah prophesied that. Prophecy will be fulfilled always because prophecy is the will of God. So if you're going to prophesy or people that prophesy, make sure that it comes to pass. How can these things be? And Jesus answered him in verse 10 and said, You're one of the teachers and the masters of Israel, and know you not these things. He was well-educated in the law and and the scriptures and things like that, but he didn't understand born again. And many of you, when you made that trip to the altar, you didn't understand it until you were overwhelmed by the presence of God and felt cleaned out and born again and set free, and you felt like you had a connection with eternal things instead of just living in the muck and the mire of the earth. I love being alive just like you do. 
But I realize that there's something more important than what is done here, and that's me being in tune with what heaven wants done in my life. All right. And Jesus said, and you don't know these things. The world gets smarter every day. Think about it. Knowledge is being increased. It's amazing what goes on all around us. We can't keep up with it. You buy one computer, by the time you get it set up, it's obsolete. How many of you still have flip phones? Well, look at that, flip phones. Do you know how, how every year a new phone comes out? I think they're up to iPhone number 71 or something by now. I ain't even got the last one paid for, so what's going on here? How come you didn't put it in the first time? Think about it. Yeah, Catherine's got it. Money, 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 money. The world will always come up with something new that they try to make a substitute for what is eternal. Thank you. They're always coming up because there's smart people around us. And when you start talking about God... They don't like that because they want to be God. They want their way of, they don't care about what is done on earth because they don't care about heaven. They, what is done on earth is pleasing to them. Okay. And, and verily, verily, I say unto you in verse 11, we speak that which we do know. How many of you know today? Do you know? Do you know that you're saved? You better not have any doubts. And if you have doubts, there's one way to fix it. The only way. Amen. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you shall be what? You shall be. And what's that mean? That means being born again. Uh, and he said, we speak that which we do know and testify to what we have seen. Is there anybody in this place that can testify to the things that God has done in your life or somebody else's life that you hold dear? We testify what we, we know. And what we don't know, God will reveal it when it's time for it to be revealed. In the meantime, we praise Him and we worship Him and we speak His Word and we believe in the impossible. Because that's what Jesus said. He said, with God, all things are possible. Well, why wouldn't I believe that? If you didn't believe what the Word says, then there's no sense in praying. No sense in doing it. You might as well be a prophet of Baal and jump up and down and cut yourself and everything else. That's what they did. They thought the more that they could sacrifice their flesh, that their gods would respond. Well, listen, you can get the sharpest stone you can find and cut yourself up and jump up and down. But it ain't going to get you anywhere because you're not praying to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And people say, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep doing it? Well, listen, it's the best deal that you could possibly have. Because we believe in the one that was there at the beginning and the book says he's going to be there at the end. So everything that happens in between then is pretty much man winging it and doing what he wants until they're born again by the Spirit of God and they understand the link that goes all the way back to the garden and how Satan came against the Word of God. Ooh. And we have seen, I've seen God do many great things. 
I've told this story. Y'all got to hang in there with me today. It's still early. We were in Mexico one time. We were, well, more than one time. And we were in a place called Zacapaco. I don't know. Chris, were you on that trip to Zacapaco? Anyhow, it was a little uh, hole-in-the-wall place where you couldn't find it. You had to stumble on it. That's how it was. And uh, we had a school bus. We were driving out there. We were going to we were carrying the group we had in a school bus. And a couple of us had went ahead because we had to get supplies. And the bus never came, bus never came, bus never came. Well, the guy that was driving the bus uh, wasn't a good driver, but he was a good volunteer. And he ran over a piece of iron or a rock, and he punctured a tire. And he got out the road a little bit, and we're wondering, where are they? Where are they? And finally, we find them. They're on the side of the road. And the battery wasn't lashed down, so it fell on the engine. I mean, you talk about a mess. So we pull up, and you get 30 guys out there just kind of kicking the dirt. And you know how we get us human beings? Well, we're on a mission from God. How come this can be happening? I mean, it took an hour and a half to get to the closest city. And when they're all out there, just blah, 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 blah. One of them got thrown all the way up and hit the roof of the bus and everything, and it was just a mess. And so we're all out there acting like men. Nobody knew what to do after the battery half melted down and everything else. And we had a pastor with us from Cuba. I don't know how he got there, but God used him in a mighty way. So after all of us, like a bunch of old bulls out there kicking and raising up dust and tearing our garments, you know what he said? Why don't we pray? <laughs> Think about it a minute. All of us. Why don't we pray? And so, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Because we're stranded right now and something's got to happen. You didn't want to be out there after dark. Believe me. And we're praying and, and, and okay, we had the prayer and we're still trying to figure out what to do. And about this time, a white Dodge pickup truck comes down the road toward us. And I don't know what was going on there, but he pulls up and he says, can we help you guys? And some of the guys explained to him the battery, this and the battery, that. Now listen to this. this. This is great. This is how I can testify to what I've seen. He said, I just came from town and I just bought a new battery for one of my tractors. And we're all looking around at each other like, yeah. Thank God. He said, why don't we just pray? You know, we probably could have still been out there. And that guy, for $50, gave us that battery and went on his way, and we got that bus going again. And I thought, only God can do things like this. I mean, he, you know, we could have cut ourselves and jumped up and down, but there wouldn't have been no battery coming down the road, I could tell you that. But if God's in it, God will support it. It might get rough, and you might not understand it, but God always comes through, and we got to look for the eternal things, the eternal things that he does, and, and the eternal things will take care of the temporal things. Yeah. 
All right, let's read on. If I've told you earthly things and you don't and you believe not, how shall you believe if you tell you heavenly things? In other words, Jesus is putting the focus back on the spiritual. And no man has ascended up to heaven but the but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Amen. And as Moses this is our scripture, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That goes all the way back to the Torah, the five, first five books of the Bible. That was a promise of God. Remember the serpents that were put on? I don't understand how all that works, but I know it worked. Yeah. That's the important part, not the understanding of it, but that it works. And he said, that's who whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life he didn't promise life without end down here but he did promise eternal life and then verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life amen Hallelujah. I was thinking of the, the, the river that flows out from under the throne of God. Think about that for a minute. And there's trees planted along that river that are for the... Anybody know? What's the next word? The healing of the nations. Think about that for a minute. An apple or a fruit in the garden was used to bring curse upon people because it wasn't interpreted what God meant for that to be. But then we have a promise in eternity that there's going to be fruit there for us and it's going to be for the healing of the nations. He'll wipe away every tear. Everything that ever happened in this life, you're not going to have any memory of it because all bad things are going to be washed away. And you have a promise that you can sit by the river. <laughs> you can sit by the river. Psalm 126, I believe it says, when the, the, when the people of Israel were carried away into Babylon, they said, oh, how our hearts did ache as we sat by the river. And they told us to sing a song about our home. Well, there came a day and it's now taken place where the people of Israel are going back to their home. And God promised that they would be dispersed and it would take a while, but then he would one day return them in the promises that they would rule from the Euphrates all the way to the sea and much more than they got right now. They had to wait a long time for that, like 2,000 years or so, but guess what? It's taken place before our very eyes right now. I've walked it. I've seen it. I've felt it. We were on the Mount of Ascension, on the Mount of Olives, and there's a little cupola there. Which, what's a cupola in English? What's a gazebo? And I mean, you walk in that place, and you don't come out without being a wreck. Because there are doves up in the arches, and they're singing, and things are going on, and Darlene's up against the building like this, and everybody else... Now, the Arabs that live there don't believe in our God. Yeah. 
So to them, it's just a place to have a little offering basket there where you drop some money into the basket. They don't sense the presence of God because they don't understand that He is God. He is the Son of God. And all they look understand, they love it when we go over there because it means money for them. Because strictly in humanistic... But until you receive the Spirit of God and are born again, then you walk in that place and it takes on a whole different meaning. Because you realize that Jesus... Somebody had the great idea that the, in the middle of the, the gazebo there in the cupola, there's a little box built. How many of you know that little box I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen it? Darlene has. Nobody else? You need to go to Israel, all of you. Uh, and there's a footprint in the box. And they say that, well, that's Jesus left his footprint there. Well, it looked to me like a bad carpenter just made a little box and put a put put his own foot in there but whatever see people believed in something that gave them hope and we've been in those places so i i got to continue on no man is a sinner that well for god so loved the world that you'd have everlasting life verse 17 for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be what saved, saved born again the born-again experience takes a whole lot of guilt out of people's lives. Man has a hard time forgiving man. Has a hard time. But once we come to a knowledge of what being born again is, we're commanded to forgive one another. We're commanded to forgive one another. That means... Those that have abused us or anything else or misused us or the church. God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and he'll deal with that. All right? But he that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. What's that number again? What's that name again? Jesus. Jesus, there should be no doubt. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That pretty much explains itself. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light and neither comes to the light lest his deeds be reproved. I think sometimes we look for too much out of man and not enough out of God. One of the greatest things about being born again is that you're forgiven. You have grace. You have hope. You have eternity. Miracles. Unexplainable things happening. Verse 21. But he that does not, he that doeth not truth, come to the light. Let me read that again. But he that doeth truth comes to the light that his deeds might be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Okay. Now, let's go back to Nicodemus. This is all taking place in John chapter 3 about the born-again experience. Nicodemus came to the Lord at night, right? So this is where the light part 
plays in. Now I want you to go to John chapter 19. And verse, well, let's read a little bit. Verse 32. Remember, Nicodemus came by night. See, he was a Pharisee, and he knew he had to answer to the Pharisees. A lot of times, we have to answer to people. But there's a freedom in doing what the Lord tells you instead of what people tell you to do. Look what happens here. Then came the soldiers, and they broke the legs of the first and the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they didn't break his legs. Do you know that that was prophesied? Does anybody know where that was prophesied from? And Psalm 22 is a good psalm that speaks about the Lord's, well, shouldn't call it a good psalm. They're all good psalms. But it speaks about the Lord. They came to him, and the, the psalm says not a, not a bone was broken. Now, after all those years, imagine God fulfilling that promise. It's so that we might believe and tell of the great works of God. And let's read on. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came what? Blood and water. We just talked about that. And he saw it bear record. And his record is true. And he knows that it, what he saith is true, that we might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him should not be broken. And again, other scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, in other words, what's that? If he's a disciple, he's born again, right? That's what he told the disciples. But secretly, for fear of the Jews, he came by night, and in John chapter 7, he comes by night to talk to Jesus because he had a fear of what a commitment to Jesus would cost him as a ruler and a leader of the people. One of the fears of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were supposed to know everything. They were supposed to have the answer to everything. Well, Joseph of Arimathea, just like us today and Nicodemus, they couldn't understand everything. But that's where faith takes over. And so in John chapter 7, Nicodemus comes and, and does it by night. But look at what happens here. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate said, okay. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39. This is so good. And there came also Nicodemus. We saw him in chapter 3, and we see him once in chapter 7. And it says, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by what? By night. Now remember John 3.21 where it says people won't come into the light because they're afraid that their deeds might be. So Nicodemus became a believer, but he still feared 
things that he couldn't control. Because once you're a teacher of the law and you don't have the answers, people tend to turn on you and question whether you are what you say you are or not. The world will always do that. But it says, he came to Nicodemus, which is the first came to Jesus by night, and he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds of weight. Think about that. To treat the body, they brought a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe, the mixture. And it says, then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices. Now, the spices in the mirror, the mirror, I hope I'm saying that right. Myrrh. Myrrh. Well, I know it works. I can't say it, but I know it works. That was a custom is they would anoint the body and they would put spices in it to help it not decompose so quickly. Now, remember, with them, Jesus teaching them he's going to rise again on the third day. And I think they recognized they wanted to take care of the body in the best possible way. They didn't know how the resurrection was going to take place. But they knew. Listen to this. And I'm going to read you something about the custom of burial at that time. He took the body and, 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 and it said they wound it in clothes, uh, clothes with the spices that the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb wherein was never man yet laid. You know the importance of that? Because we hear all the time, and one of our cliches is, God's doing a new thing. Well, I'll tell you what, right there, he was doing a new thing. That's why he had a grave or a tomb that had never been used. Makes another statement that he was doing something that nobody else was capable of doing. We need to recognize that. And there laid, and there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews, preparation day for the sepulchre was at hand. The custom was anoint the body and wrap it in linen so it wouldn't de decompose. Then I got to reading about this. And this is what I found out about anointing a body in the fashion of the Jewish people. They would do it with a little myrrh and a little aloe. But these guys, Joseph Marathi and, and Nicodemus, did it with a hundred pounds. That wasn't the custom. The only time that that was done was for royalty. I want you to get that for a minute. I need to get it. The only time that they used that much spice to anoint the body was for royalty. <laughs> yeah, that really excited me. In other words, they buried him and they, they had the words that he spoke that one day I'm going to be resurrected. On the third day, I'm going to come back. And so way back in their consciousness somewhere, they thought, well, we better take care of this body. This is an important body. No bones were broken. In other words... They put him in the grave, and those people that believed at that time, Joseph and Nicodemus, they were treating the body as royalty. Hallelujah. And another thing I want you to notice, the other two times that he, uh, Nicodemus' name appears in the Gospel of John, he came by night. 
But something happened in his life between chapter 7 and chapter 19 because when they went and asked for the body of Jesus, it was daylight. They used to come to they came to him in the dark because they were afraid. But after they saw what happened on Calvary and they knew that the Sabbath was coming on, they went and asked Pilate for the body before the Passover started that they might properly dispose of it. They didn't throw the body on the junk heap or throw it in the valley of the Kidron Valley. They preserved it with a hundred pounds that was reserved for royalty. So they put him in that tomb expecting royalty. And we know what happened on the third day. See, God, Jesus told everybody what was going to happen. And all of them had a hard time believing. But guess what? They believed enough to take care of that body and to treat it with the respect that a royal person would have. They came to him twice in the dark. But when they saw that man with that spear after he said, surely this is the Son of God. And when they saw the earthquakes, and when they saw the saints coming out of the grave and appearing to some in Jerusalem, and they saw the sky being darkened, and, there was the, and they saw the veil in the temple that was ripped open, which proclaims that it is finished, it is done, and he paid the price for our sin. And guess what he is? on the third day, and guess what he is on this day? He's royalty. He's royalty. (laughs) Hallelujah. And that's what happens in people's lives when they're used to doing things in the dark, but then they realize they had a revelation of who he was, In the book of John, a revelation took place, and they went from doing things in the dark to doing things in the light. (laughs) Well, it excited me when I found it. Amen. And where is he right now? Well, what right does he have to the throne of his father? Because he's God. And because he fulfilled the will of his father. Now, if things continue like they are in our world, some of us are going to be called to bigger things than we ever noticed or thought we would be called to. But with God, all things are possible. And just remember, you're part of that royalty. But what you have to do is recognize the royalty. He sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. And through the born-again experience, everyone in this room that has accepted Him as their Savior and is born again, not the first time by water, but by the Spirit, and accepts the gospel of Jesus Christ, and confess Him as Lord, you become part of royalty. The scripture even says that we got a different blood flowing through our, That's right. our veins. It's royalty. 
I believe in the king today. Do you believe in the king? Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> when I saw that, I thought, man, I never saw that before. How can you read the Bible for 35 years and never see some things? I'll tell you why. Because the Bible's alive, and if you read it, it'll come alive in different ways that you never expected it to before. It's full of revelation. What, what Nicodemus had was a revelation of who he was. So he wasn't afraid to go to Pilate, the symbol of power, and ask for the body. Because he felt like Jesus was worthy of it. And we do too today. We feel like he is worthy of it. And we are the body of Christ, fashioned after his body. He said, let us make man in our image. It goes up, it goes down. God's got it covered today. Amen. thing last thing what keeps us a lot of us from coming to the cross and coming to things that we don't understand is pride pride and I wrote this down it says pride pride interferes with our ability to reason and then what happens is until you have a revelation of who he is, revelation brings belief. Realize the difference between who you were and who you are now. So by humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he'll lift us up in due time. So we need a revelation of that, that he was crucified, dead, and buried, but he rose again. He sits on the right hand of the Father. And once we realize that and accept it, then, simply what happens is, is that that brings out belief, and belief dictates our behavior. So that's why we sing and repeat the same verse 71 times, because we believe it. Amen. And it brings forth an emotion in us. And it's not a bad emotion. We all know it's filled with the Holy Ghost when we step across the line, and it becomes us and not the Holy Spirit. There's no substitute for the Holy Ghost. Man can't make it on his own. But when you put yourself in the hands of a mighty God who invented all of this, he made this earth for our pleasure. And then he made us for his pleasure. We are created. So, Lord, we just give you thanks today for taking care of little old us. People that don't know everything, but people that believe. And we realize that you are the God of the impossible. And everything that you said in your book will come to pass. And Lord, whatever comes to pass in our lives, we'll give you the glory for it through good times and bad. Because we believe that what you said in heaven will be done on earth. And we wait for that day. And we wait for it emotionally. Hallelujah. God, free us from fear that we don't have to slink around in the night but we can be called into the light. Amen, amen, amen. Let's all stand today.